0: Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. I'm Christine, your host. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We continue our series on herd immunity. Here's Christine Geshom sharing today's message. Hi church, as you know, we've been doing the herd immunity series and Um, We are in part three today, and today we're going to be looking at deeper community. Uh, Over the past two Sundays, we first looked at what was a community, what is a gospel-centered community. We also looked at how our community shapes the gospel. And today we're going to be looking a little more at some of the barriers that we face in community and how we can really enjoy deeper community. I'm reminded of how um, when our oldest was born, uh, we just coddled him, pampered him. We kept him at home for the first four or five months of his life. Like he was just surrounded by immediate family. And um, because of which, he hardly fell sick. He barely got colds, coughs, or fevers. And he was just, you know, really protected. I remember even when our brothers would come home from work or college, uh, we would make them rigorously wash their hands and faces before they lifted him up. Um, fast forward to three years later when our daughter was born. Uh, She was born and our son was in a play school at the time. And so right from the time she was a baby, she was exposed to all kinds of infections that he would bring in from play school. And so she had a runny nose from her first month on and then come down to our third son who was born. And then we brought him into Mumbai, one of the most crowded, populous and um, polluted uh, parts of the world. Um, our son's immune system was permanently um, being aggressed, I should say. He was always having a cold. He always um, had a runny nose, had severe bouts of wheezing. So each of them at different points of their infancy were exposed to pathogens and their immune response um, was triggered. Their immunity was um, heightened and because of which their body fought back. At the end of it, when I look at their childhood, their early childhood, our younger two had stronger immune responses than our first two was very sheltered and, you know, protected. And so what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is this, that our immunity is built only when we're in community, not in isolation. In fact, in the current circumstances we're in, the longer we stay indoors, the lower our immunity is going to be. That's what research has shown. So it shows that the more we step out, The more we interact with people, our immunity actually gets built and the cells that are responsible for our immunity increase in number and build up our immunity. It would be foolish of me not to draw a comparison to what herd immunity looks like for us today. On our own, in isolation, we'll be the best Christians around. But it's when we are dropped into our communities, it's when we meet others that are rough edges, their rough edges all start rubbing against each other. We have friction. We have raw emotions. Um, while community on the outside looks maybe like puppies and uh, roses, it's anything but that in reality. It's more like wet dog smell and a lot of thorny bushes, right? That's what community sometimes looks like. But the best part about this is that we were redeemed for community, which means community being God's idea is the ideal place for us to be. And it's the ideal place for our immunity, so to speak, for it to get built up. And what is this immunity? It's that we will experience Christ-likeness in ourselves and we will see it in others. And then together we grow. That's what community looks like. That's what deeper community looks like. And while deeper community is the aim, there are so many barriers that come up that prevent deeper community from really happening. In my life, I've noticed I have a lot of barriers. I have barriers where I have boundaries. People can't cross those boundaries and get to me easily. It's only a very select few that I've allowed in. And so over the years, I've had to pull down those boundaries. I've had to get sometimes even friends of mine who are counselors and others who help me bring down those barriers and trust people again. You might have a barrier of previous baggage or previous communities of faith have hurt me. They've pulled me down. They've ostracized me. And therefore, I have my reservations about community, maybe for you community has been something that has uh, rejected you and you've suffered at the hands of others emotionally and maybe that's a barrier i don't know what your barrier is today but there are two broad categories in which our um, barriers actually come under one is false beliefs it's a false belief maybe about god maybe you think you know what god you don't understand where i'm at so i'm just going to stay you know hidden i'm going to just stay by myself maybe you have a false belief about yourself I'm not worth it. I'm not worth being in a relationship with anyone. I'm not worth being part of a community that believes in Jesus. I, I don't live such a great life. Maybe you have false beliefs about others. People are going to let me down. They've let me down in the past. They let me down again. People are not to be trusted. Maybe you have these beliefs, which ultimately, if you look at it through the truth of God's word, are false beliefs. That's not who God is. That's not who you are. That's not who others are. Maybe you have false beliefs sources of trust and hope. Remember, we talked about idols of the heart. Maybe your source of hope is success. Maybe it's in control. Maybe it's in the need for power. I don't know what your struggle or what your inner idol is. But for most of us, these are some of the common things that creep up and tend to destroy relationships. In a regular relationship, if we have a need for control, we tend to control the other person, their actions, their emotions, their reactions. And inevitably the relationship just disintegrates. Maybe you have a need for success. So when you see others around you not helping you succeed, you push them away. Whatever it is, whatever those barriers are today, maybe you need to take some time to think as to what the baseline is. Why are those relationships not working out for you? Why is deeper community not working out for you? Now you may ask me, so why do we need deeper community? We live in a time of air kisses and And, um, you know, just we don't shake hands. We just, you know, touch each other's fingertips. We live in a time where we just do elbow bumps and shallow uh, relationships aren't they enough, you may ask. And while shallow relationships serve a corporate world, maybe in the community of believers, a deeper relationship is very essential for the main reason being that we are image bearers of Christ. We are image bearers of God. And which means that he is such a deeply relational person. When we portray a superficial relationship, we are telling the world we're content to show you a superficial version of God. We don't want you want to get deep with you. And therefore you will never get to know anything deeper about God as well. This is the problem with shallow, superficial relationships. We need to go deeper. Community needs to go deeper and deeper. So I want us to look today at how we as believers can live in a community that is shaped entirely by the gospel and therefore experience real deep community. Uh, Jesus, very interestingly, in this passage that I'm going to read, draws a common denominator. You know, in math, we learned LCM, lowest common denominator. So he says, this is the baseline for every human's involvement in a relationship. This is what he says. Matthew chapter 5, verses 46 to 47. He says, what reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Don't even the tax collectors do that. How are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Don't even the ungodly do that. So basically, Jesus is saying here, listen, whatever your emotional baggage or, you know, the world classifies people as sociopaths and, you know, and this and that, whatever it is, even the most depraved of mind can fulfill this category of relationship. That is, we will love those who love us. We can get along with those who are like-minded As us, those who have the same talent pool as us, we will love them. We will get along. But this is what Jesus is provoking us to think about. He goes on to say Matthew 5 verses 43 to 45. He says, your ancestors have also been taught, love your neighbors and hate the one who hates you. However, I say to you, love your enemy, bless the one who curses you, do something wonderful for the one who hates you and respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. For that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly father. He is kind to all by bringing the sunrise to warm and rainfall to refresh whether a person does what is good or evil. So basically, it's very natural to love people who love us. But it's completely unnatural to love those who hate us. And all of us have those enemies, whether we've asked for them or not, we have those enemies. We have people who don't like us. But here God is saying, be good to them. Pray for those who persecute you. I mean, where in the world have we ever heard of teaching like this? But this is the kind of provocative teaching, provocative community that Jesus was emphasizing. A shallow community is one where everyone looks the same, speaks the same kind of language, talks the same kind of jargon, and they get along perfectly. But deeper community is where people who would otherwise never get along you would never find under the same roof coming together because of one God, one purpose to worship him. That is provocative. That is something that triggers the world to ask, how come? And ironically, that's the one thing that will be magnetic and will pull people into the kingdom. Let's look at what Jesus prays for all of us believers. John 17 verses 20 to 21 I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. That's all God Jesus is asking for. He's asking that we be as united as God the Father and God the Son are united. And he's asking that the Spirit unify us. And so this community, you know, this deeper community, thanks to this prayer that has already been prayed for us um, many, many thousands of years back, this prayer has its answers now in our communities, as different as we look, as diverse as we are, we may have our differences of opinion, we might have our differences of uh, even ideas about God, but the one thing that unites us is Jesus and his prayer for us that we will be united, that we will find common ground and that common ground is Jesus. So I want us to look today at how we can establish and experience this deeper community. Okay, so there are, this is just a three-step process and this process is not a one-off thing. This process is probably going to go on for the rest of our life. So this three-step cycle, I liken it to an immune cycle. You know, when we... um. Have an infection, the body mounts the immune response, and our body goes through a cycle where it battles the infection, rids us of the infection, and we go back to normal. So that's how a cycle works, and this is not a one-off cycle. It's not the first time we get an infection, and that's it. It works throughout our lives. In healthy people, in people who are not immunocompromised, this cycle happens regularly, where we beat the uh, the common flu, we beat the chicken pox uh, virus, and it goes on and on and on through our lives. Similarly. This cycle, this gospel renewal cycle is such a beautiful thing that happens throughout our lives. The minute we are saved, that's the turning point of our life. But it doesn't end there. The rest of our journey, we need this cycle to get us through it. Because the minute we are saved, you know, being saved is such a a solitary thing. It's between us and God. But God doesn't want us to stay in solitary confinement for the rest of our lives. The minute we are saved, we are ready for community. And that's when he introduces us into spaces where we meet others who know the same God, who can grow us on this journey. And that's what we're talking about. How do we get into that community with a, a heart that is prepared for deeper community? We're not going to be content with the shallow. We're not going to be content with superficial relationships. We're going to go deeper. But the the downside to going deeper is this, that the minute we go deeper, we find that a lot of issues of our life come to the surface, bubbling up literally. And we also see other people for who they really are. And so instead of being completely discouraged and and battle-worn and just going back into our shell, this cycle will actually help us to step out in faith again and again and again and to love people again and again and again. That's what this is going to do. So we're going to get into this. How do we get into deeper community? How do we enjoy deeper community? First thing is that we readily repent. Why do I say that? Because as we get into closer community with people, idols of our heart will get exposed. I'll realize I have a need for control. I'll have, a, I have a need for validation. And when it's not being responded, when I don't feel it being reciprocated, my ego gets fired up. I, I start to get angry. I start to have irritation. And that's when I need to step back for a minute turn my eyes towards God, turn my eyes away from the idols and ask God, Lord, this is who I am. This is who I am. I need help. And that repentance is the first step in this gospel renewal cycle. I want us to read from Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. This is what Jesus said. From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim his message with these words. Keep turning away from your sins and come back to God for heaven's kingdom realm is now accessible. I love this. He doesn't say Turn away from your sins once and for all. He says, keep turning away from your sins. It's sometimes an everyday thing. For those of us who are parents, you will feel what I'm saying right now that we sometimes have to repent of some wrong words and wrong actions and wrong thoughts every day, sometimes multiple times in a day. Repentance is a must. And like we look through the entire detox series, it's an, sometimes an everyday thing. It's a regular thing. It, it becomes a part of our lifestyle. So when I'm struggling in community, rather than going into this, this mold of self-pity and self-preservation, I turn instead to Jesus and I say, Lord, forgive me. This is where I'm messing up. You know what's coming out of the closet right now. Help me address this. Help me find my healing from this. And so the first step is readily repent. This deeper community is achieved when we readily repent. The second thing is that be in order to experience deeper community we must boldly believe now the truth is when we were saved we boldly believed in the gospel we boldly believed in Jesus and what he did for us but sometimes we forget the gospel in our everyday we forget the gospel and a lot of times we need to preach the gospel to ourselves we need to tell ourselves hey you know what you've been redeemed you've been restored Jesus has done this for you already why are you going back on that guilt trip again Why are you on this road of shame? Jesus has rescued you from all of it. Maybe some old sins are coming back to haunt you when you remember you asked God for forgiveness. And so when you start boldly believing again, you're reminding yourself of what the gospel has done for you, reminding yourself of what God has done for you. And therefore, you come out stronger. And therefore, you can look at your issues even in community through renewed lens. You're not looking at it through this place of, oh my God, I'm wounded. Oh my God, I'm battered. I I can't do community. I'm not prepared for this. But no, you look at it through what Jesus has already said and spoken over you. Jesus has said that he has healed you. Jesus has said he has restored you. Jesus has begun a new work. And so God will remind you when you start believing afresh, God will remind you of all that he has done for you, all that He is doing currently for you and all that he's going to do in your future. That's what bold belief looks like. I want us to read from Hebrews 10 verses 19 to 22. One of my favorite verses because it shows our standing before God through Jesus. It says this, and now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm boldly and with no hesitation, for he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus's body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. And since we now have a magnificent king-priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from him for our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity and we have been freed from an accusing conscience and now we are clean, unstained and presentable to God inside and out. Wow, this is who we are in Jesus. This is who we are today. So if you have any doubts, if you feel, you know, I'm still stained, my life is still a bit murky, but you know Jesus, I urge you to get back into the gospel truth. Every day when you read your word, note down the gospel truths that come out at you and claim those over your life that you have been washed and made clean, that today you stand clean and righteous because of Christ's righteousness over you. And then it will help you to believe afresh that God has placed you in community for a reason. That's why you need to boldly believe because if we lose our faith, if we lose this belief, we will lose our um, understanding of why we even need to be in community. That's why a lot of people have given up on community. But I urge you today, if you're on the verge of giving up on community, if you feel today, maybe community is not for me. I'm like a hermit hermit crab. I'm content to be by myself in my shell. I'm safe. No one hurts me. I want to encourage you. Believe the gospel anew. Allow Jesus to speak afresh over your life. And the best part is that when we come before him, asking him to refresh our belief that he allows the Holy Spirit to minister to us. It's not just us having to do things on our own. Henceforth, we have the Holy Spirit empowering us. He he helps us along the journey every step of the way. So what looked hard before in community will get easier and easier because now the Holy Spirit is with you. You're not alone. So the second thing, the second way in which we can experience deeper community is by boldly believing. And third and finally, The way that we can experience deeper community is when we lavishly love those around us in our community. Three simple ways of remembering this R-B-L, repent, believe, step out in love. Lavishly love. I'm not talking about an ordinary love, the love that we talk about, the love that we put as a hashtag, the love that we use for saying I love uh, biryani or something like that. No, this is a deeper love. And this love is not humanly possible because even the love that we have for the closest people in our lives diminishes in comparison to what God demonstrated for us. And so when we come before God, asking him to renew our beliefs, he fills us up with his love, the love he shows on us, the love that he demonstrates for us. And inevitably, that love will flow onto someone else. It cannot stay just in us for long. It has to flow out over someone else. I want to ask you this. When was the last time you lavishly loved on someone else? So this is what John writes about lavishly loving others. He says, so these are his commands that we continually place our trust in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and that we keep loving one another just as he has commanded us. Isn't that interesting? All of it is in present continuous tense. Keep loving, keep trusting. So every single day, there's going to be things that that oppose us in our beliefs, that's going to oppose us in our ability to love. But John is urging us to keep trusting and to keep loving one another. Reading from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion. Doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Pre-COVID era, we could meet up, we could go to someone's house, drop by unannounced, surprise them for their birthday or do something, maybe give them a gift. Now we can't do all of that. But what are you doing in this era? Are you lavishly loving on people? Do you give them maybe that extra time just to let them talk with you? Have you actually responded to those calls, those cries for help from friends who really needed it? How have you lavishly loved? Maybe it's with your family. Maybe you've been so caught up with work that you've not had time to lavishly love on your wife or your children or your husband. But can I ask you today, our community first begins there and then it spreads out. The faith communities that we are in that we're going to head back into. This isolation is not forever. We're all going to get back into community. And when we do, If this part of the triad, if this part of the triad is missing, community, deeper community will never be felt. Because as we renew our belief, as we boldly believe, as we have repented, as we boldly believe, we must step out in love. If not, it'll just be again a very private uh, journey. We need this journey to get better and better. I really think that when we accept Jesus, when we allow the gospel to come into our lives and change us, It takes root privately, but it only bears fruit in community. Without that, how is anyone going to know that you're loving? How is anyone going to know you're compassionate if you're always alone? No one's going to experience the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's only felt. It is only tasted in community. And therefore, today, the urge that the Holy Spirit has for each of us, the the desire he has for us is that we would step out in love continually. That's why so many times in the epistles, it talks about don't give up doing good. Don't be weary in doing good because it's true. We do get weary. We do get tired. And that's why I call this a cycle because there are times we will fail. There are times when even in, with the best of our intentions, we want to be kind. We want to be loving. And then we say the wrong thing or we just don't turn up or we don't answer that one phone call. And instead of going into going on this guilt trip, like I mentioned, we can quickly come back to God and say, Lord, I repent. I messed up. I said the wrong thing, Lord. I did the wrong thing. My emotions were wrong on my face. I'm sorry. And then we come back to believing the gospel that he has heard me. He has forgiven me and he's going to prepare me for greater things. He's going to prepare me to move forward and move past this mess up. And that he's going to use me again in someone's life. That he's not done with me yet. That's the belief. And then I again step out in faith. So this is a cycle. It's a journey. Some of us are in our 60s, some of us in our 30s. And we have our little children in Sunday school who are, you know, just starting out their lives. All of us have to go through this cycle. It's a cycle that helps us in getting sanctified on our own. We're not sanctified. We get sanctified in community. And that happens as the cycle moves and moves and moves. We move from repentance to belief to stepping out in love. We'll fail again and again, but we come back and we start again. And the thing about this is it might, it, it is not tiresome. I can tell you this as... Uh, My husband and I have been um, working through this for some time now, ever since uh, we have started applying the gospel to our lives. And we see that sometimes it feels like we have to repent multiple times a day for some of the attitudes we have and some of the prejudices we have. But the beauty of it is this, that the Holy Spirit is so hard at work in our lives. He is not leaving us the way we used to be. He wants to do something afresh. So even as I close, I want to encourage each of us to just get into an attitude of worship we're going to sing a song together we're going to worship even though we're remotely placed right now can we just unite our hearts to worship together because I believe that no matter how community looks for each of us right now com- worship will be central to whether we experience deeper community or shallow community the passage I want us to look at is John chapter 4 verses 23 to 24 here Jesus is in conversation with a Samaritan woman at a well. And the the interesting thing is that Jesus has this deep conversation with her, and he even reveals some of the things that this woman is up to in secret. He says how she's been had five husbands, and the one she's with currently is not even her husband. Historians believe that this Samaritan woman had come at this particular time, midday, to the well because she was ostracized for her lifestyle, for her choices. She was probably rejected. She was on the fringes of society, and yet Jesus calls her out. Jesus addresses her need and he says, I will fill you with water. You will never be thirsty again because he knew that she had looked at all the wrong places to fill the thirst in her soul. And today Jesus wants us that no matter where we find ourselves in community, we may be on the fringes, we may be ostracized, we may have been rejected, we may have been labeled by community. He wants you to take a second chance in community. He wants you to get back into community. He doesn't want you to stay isolated. And this is what Jesus exhorted her to do. He said this, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now where true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. The father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. I'm reminded of a time when um, my husband and I were in a lot of grief because we had lost a child. And I remember going to church two weeks after that when I was just recovering. And I remember just standing for about five minutes. And then I just sat down because I was so hurt with God. I felt like God had let me down. I felt like God had, you know, set up this false promise for me. I also was hurt with people around me. A couple of my friends who were unmarried at the time um, diminished my grief and made me feel like I was grieving for nothing. And it really hurt me. And so here I was seated in church, refusing to worship because I was grieving, because I was hurt, because I was angry. And then towards the end of the worship, the worship leader started singing the song, Blessed Be Your Name by Jeremy Camp. And the bridge of that song is so beautiful. It goes on to say how you give and take away, blessed be your name. And it it stems from the book of Job, where Job says, you've given, you've taken away, blessed be your name. Lord." And Job had lost so much. And yet he had the grace to say that. And at that moment, I had such a repentant attitude fall upon me. It was it was a conviction of the Spirit. The Spirit convicted me to understand that no matter what my situation looked like with people relationally, even with God, that I still needed to stand up. I still needed to raise my hands and worship Him because He was still God. He had not ceased being God. He had not ceased seeing my struggle. He still knew where I was. He empathized with me. He loved me so much. And so I had, it was this it was this inner thing which drove me to stand up and worship with the rest of the congregation. So today I want to ask you, we may not be together. Whatever your issues are with your community, whatever your problems are with God, I ask that you just leave it right now. Drop it down and raise your hands up towards heaven. And can we worship him as he deserves to be worshipped? I believe that worship is what brings the Holy Spirit in and gives him complete free access to our lives. It's him who is the agent of change for us. Without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. Our situations in community will not change without the Holy Spirit. We need him every single minute of every single day. And so I hope that as you live a lifestyle of worship, you will experience deeper community. Because when you worship, you will be convicted of sin when you worship, your beliefs will get cemented in who Jesus is. And when you worship, you will be able to step out again and again in lavish love. If you're saying today, I, I trust what you're saying, I believe what you're saying, but I don't know who Jesus is. I want to boldly believe in who Jesus is. Can I tell you who Jesus is? Jesus is God himself. He came down to earth to save each one of us from our sins. And he lived a perfect life, a sinless life. And after three years of walking on earth, doing good, he was killed by the very people he did good for. He was crucified. He was dead and he was buried. But miraculously, three days later, he rose from the dead. And today, if you want Jesus to come into your life, all you have to say is, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you. Come and be the Lord of my life. That's all you have to say. And Jesus comes in. and He takes up residence in your heart and he will change your life in the best way possible. And this life that we're talking about where we have an ongoing repentance, we have ongoing belief that we have to keep placing back in Jesus, all of that is possible because of the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And he wants to take us on this journey, holding our hands, guiding us every step of the way. So I want to encourage you, following Jesus may not be the easiest thing, but it's the most fulfilling thing you will do. It's the best decision you will ever make. You will never be alone. For he has said in his word, I promise you that I will never leave you nor forsake you. You will never be alone again. You will have Jesus with you. So can I pray this prayer with you? If you say, I need Jesus. I want Jesus. I want to be part of a deeper community. I'm tired of the shallow, superficial communities I'm part of. I want something deeper. Can I pray this with you? Will you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for speaking right to me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I need you. I ask that you be the Lord and Savior of my life. I commit every part of my life to you. Come in and take your place, Lord, in my life. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you're struggling with community, if you feel that you have so much baggage because of community that maybe you're not fit for community, can I pray for you today? Can I pray that you will allow the gospel to take root in your life and bear fruit tremendously through the community God has placed you in? Father, I just pray right now for every one of us, Lord. Not one of us is devoid of the pain that has come out of community, but we know that community is your idea, oh Lord. So I pray that each of us will be renewed and refreshed even as we worship you privately, Lord, even as we get to know you better and better in the privacy of our homes, that, Father, you will refine us, that you will renew us. And, Father, I pray that you will help us to step out again and again in love. That, Lord, we will trust you above everything. We will trust you. That, Lord, we will trust that, Lord, you have a plan for our lives. And that, Father, once again, you will prepare our hearts for deeper community that once again, Lord, you will fill us up with your Holy Spirit so that we can engage in our communities, we can contribute and that we'll be a blessing in the places you have placed us, Father. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe, and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion, and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus, finds life.